until the earth is filled with your glory. Amen. You may be seated. message this morning from uh, Romans chapter 16, uh, the second to the last uh, sermon in, in a, a series that will be, end up being 84 messages. Wow, we're here. We're just about at the end. Um, I hope it has been a blessing to you. It certainly has been to me. Romans chapter 16, beginning at verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all. Uh, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, be with you. Amen. Well, you and I might often end a letter that we write uh, with a comment such as this. Um, oh, and don't, don't forget to say hello to so-and-so for me. And we might also just have a little tagline at the very end. Be safe, or uh, be wise, stay out of trouble, that kind of thing. Uh, these are almost throwaway lines that don't really add much to the point of the letter, but they're niceties. They're just kind of the part of the oil that kind of smooths over the, um, the, the conversation and communication we have in our society. But for Paul, chapter 16 of Romans is nothing about just being nice. It is nothing about, uh, about just a, a social kind of comment here. Uh, He's talking about two things in this passage, in this chapter 16. He's saying the importance of greeting one another and the importance also of maintaining peace in the body of Christ. In fact, what he is really doing is providing markers in this chapter, chapter 16. He's providing markers to see whether we have really gotten the message of the book. They are markers to help us, school us, to see whether we have understood and gotten the great grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Greetings in church show Jesus to one another. There is no no condemnation in Christ. There is no separation from Christ or from one another. So we greet one another. And this passage today, unity in the church shows Jesus. It shows what you value. It shows what is important to you. 
The purpose of this book of Romans, Paul writes it in chapter 1, verse 5, and in chapter 16, verse 26, he makes it very, very clear. The purpose of this book is the obedience of faith. The obedience that comes from your faith in Jesus Christ, that that obedience will be spread to the nations. That that obedience will penetrate every part of this world because the church is coming to know and love and serve Jesus more faithfully and that message and that example is going out. Chapter 1 opens up the good news of God concerning His Son who by the power of the Holy Spirit was raised from the dead to form a holy people. Not individuals, but people. From all nations, a family from all nations. And so it makes complete sense for Paul here in this passage to say, watch out therefore for those who cause divisions and avoid them. Because that's not where we should be going at all. We are unified in Christ. We love His glory. His glory is weighty enough. Chavod, the heaviness of the glory of God, is weighty enough to outweigh anything else in this world that may divide Christians. True Christians. I love this phrase uh, from a friend of mine. uh, So we stay focused on the Satan-crushing Christ. Do you like that? I, I, I love it. Stay focused on the Satan-crushing Christ. Feast on His grace. Look to the God of peace. Never lose sight of the fact that we are in Jesus. And because of all that, our theme this morning is simple and yet a high one. And that is preserve your sweet unity by keeping Jesus central. Preserve your sweet unity by keeping Christ central. Some will, Paul's saying, some will disrupt your unity. He's saying you're doing well and your reputation has gone wide and he rejoices over the Romans, he tells us in verse 19. But he says some will come in and will disrupt unity. Watch out. For, for two different things he's saying here. Watch out for those who cause divisions. Watch out for those who cause divisions. Proverbs tells us that causing divisions is remarkably easy. Disturbing and distressingly easy. All you have to do is whisper. Whisper, and you can cause divisions. Look, look with me at chapter 16, verse 28. I'm going to look at three passages from Proverbs. You may wish to turn back to that book with me. Uh, chapter chapter uh, 16, verse 28. What, what this is saying is, is you're whispering, we're, we're on this side, and they are on that side. A dishonest dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisper separates close friends, insinuates himself, herself, between people. We're not like that. They're over there. We're over here. 
chapter uh, 17, verse 9, uh, we remember that Christ forgives sins and therefore brings people together. The whole message of the gospel is bringing people together. And yet, look at this passage. Uh, It says, whoever covers an offense seeks love, follows Jesus. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. You know what they do. You know what she said. You don't want to be like them. And a whisper, chapter 26, uh, verses 20 and following, a whisper adds wood to a fire. So it consumes. So it destroys And those words that we offer, that we whisper, they're like tasty morsels that go down with wicked, twisted pleasure. And we savor them even as we separate close friends. We huddle together and we pass on tasty morsels by text or or by Facebook postings or face-to-face. Listen to these words. Uh, 26, 20 and following. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. Where there is no whisper, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. So watch out for those who cause divisions Watch out for those who whisper to separate close friends. Watch out, secondly, for those who create obstacles or hindrances. Uh, scandalon is the, is the word here for obstacles. Uh, and there are uh, things, things that shouldn't be obstacles can become obstacles. Things that shouldn't be obstacles can become, the, can become such. And, and, and Calvin, and, and I think rightly so, says there is no doubt that this passage is referring back to chapter 14, verse 13, where, uh, where, where, the writer, uh, where the writer Paul says, Therefore do not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance, same word there, or hindrance in the way of a brother. You remember what was going on in chapter 14. There were Jewish people coming into the church, and they brought with them Jewish practices, and they felt they needed to continue to practice those things. And there were others who realized their freedom, Gentiles who realized their freedom in Christ, not needing to follow those things, other other Jewish people that came to that realization as well. And and yet it brought great division and strife uh, to the church. So one thing that Paul, Paul is leaning on, right? He's leaning on those stronger brothers. And he's saying, instead of design, denying, this is, what, this is what Calvin says, instead of denying themselves meat for the sake of Christ and the peace of the church, they could easily give up the meat for the sake of Christ, for the sake of peace in the church, but they preferred to gratify their own appetites and their own bellies. So you have the stronger brothers in that passage who are, who are the carnivores. They're the, the meat eaters. I guess I would put myself in, in that group. I hope I don't offend anyone here. But, uh, but, but they were quick to give offense. Listen, they were quick to give offense 
you shouldn't be eating this. You shouldn't be, be um, uh, rather, insisting on their own way. And they put their personal desires over unity in Christ. They, they were quick to give an offense. But the weaker brother were too quick to take an offense. You shouldn't be eating that because I feel it's against my conscience. And, and so today, let alone, that's not talking about that issue anymore, but let alone, there are people today who give offense far too quickly and reject those who disagree with them and simply do what they want to do regardless of its impact on other people. And there are those who take offense far too quickly. There's an attitude of they're they're always being scandalized by what someone else is doing. Their reactions are on hair trigger. And they are looking to find offense. And Paul says, in a sense, that both of you are serving Christ and, and not serving Christ, but your own bellies. Verse 18. Using flattery, you can use in order, to, in order to insinuate yourself into other people and to get them to see things your way. Use flattery or smooth talk to deceive others. I'm, have, has anyone ever... Not maybe these words, but this is the sense of it. I'm telling you this because you, like me, see things properly. You, you really get what's going on here. So we're going to whisper over here about them. Because they don't see like we do. It is smooth. It is flattering. And those juicy morsels go down. And they just taste so, so good. What is the problem here? Something other than Christ. In a nutshell, that's what Paul's dealing with here. Something other than Christ is ruling them, their passions, their desires, focusing on some agenda besides Christ. Kids, I want to try to help you to get this, and maybe if if you get it, maybe some of us will get it too. (laughs) But, but, um, but, But how, kids, listen please carefully. How do you allow your selfish desires to be bigger in your heart than Jesus' call to sacrifice for others? Let me me ask that again. How do you allow selfish desires to be bigger in your heart than Jesus' call to sacrifice for others? Sometimes um, you really want to get your way, don't you? And you really want to be right. And you really don't want to admit you're wrong. And sometimes you would rather fight with your brothers and sisters than enjoy being a family. I've both seen it in my own family and I certainly did it in mine growing up. (laughs) You want to fight and get your way rather than preserve the peace in your family. children, and to the extent that it fits for adults too, um, you have a precious Savior, a precious Savior, who calls you come, value Him, His glory, and the unifying work of His might.
as we come to the conclusion of this first part, uh, we, we need to be very careful. We need to stop. And we need to have humility before God. We need humility. You remember when Jesus gathered his disciples in the upper room uh, right before his crucifixion? We must follow the examples of the disciples very, very carefully. Jesus said, you remember, Jesus said at that time, he said, one of you will will um, deny me, one of you will forsake me and betray me. Each of us, following the example of the disciples, need to say to Jesus right now, Lord, is it I? Before we look at anyone else, and oh, how easy that is, we need to look in the mirror and we get asked, Lord, is it I? It could be me. I could sin like that. I could whisper. I could gossip. I could separate close friends. I could give an offense. I could take an offense. Very easily. Far too easily. Cause division. It's too easy to look to others. We must first ask the question, Lord, is it I? Secondly, then, watch out for them, those who cause an offense, those who bring hindrances and obstacles. Watch out for them um, and avoid them. Um, Don't be suspicious, but be wise. It's so easy to be suspicious of other people to judge motives, to, to think you know what they're thinking, and, and then to build walls, and, and really in your arrogance, not even giving them a chance. But Paul, Paul's advice here is, is powerful. He says, be wise as to what is good, but innocent to what is evil. Be wise to perceive and act in a good way and be innocent. To what is evil. J.B. Phillips uh, says of this verse, he renders this verse, I want, you to, I want uh, to see you as experts in good <laughs> and not even beginners in evil. Experts in good. But not even kindergartners <laughs> in, in evil. So you have an open, generous heart. You're not suspicious. However, Paul does say to avoid Avoid. What does that mean? Well, don't, don't seek them out. Don't hang around them. Don't let their thinking affect you and infect you. Um, you are to love them. Um, you are uh, to, to, to love them. But uh, you are also to be one who doesn't add wood to a fire. So you want to ask yourself, in, in the midst of unrest in a, in a family or in a, in a church, do the fires stop with you or do they get greater with you? Are you able to back off and say, I don't, this is not a good thing to talk about. I don't want to take part. Or do you lean in and, and soak it up and let those morsels go down to your belly? Do you stop the flames or do you spread the flames? Be wise. Be wise. May only the big things divide the congregation of the Lord Jesus. We are called here. We are called here um, um, not to let to, to allow. If there are things that are contrary to the doctrine you've been taught, 
That's what you, that's what you, you lay down the rule and say, I can't, I can't go there at all. Contrary to the doctrine you've been taught. But secondary things, Paul's saying, shouldn't divide us the way primary things should. Let's just think about that for a couple minutes. What are the primary things? I'm going to share a couple of things that are, that are essential and primary for our faith in order to underscore how powerfully they bind us together, how powerfully they connect us, how powerfully they root us, and therefore we should not or cannot allow ourselves to be shaken by secondary things. Just think of the Apostles' Creed. It's in the outline of the nature of God. We believe in God the Father. You are, first of all, Father. You call us as your children. You gather us into the family. Uh, The Lord Jesus, uh, who who is the, the, the sin bearer, and the Holy Spirit who works that new life in us. One being and three persons. There is no compromise. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, no compromise. There, there is a, these things are of first importance that Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. The resurrection is a real thing for Christ and then later on in the chapter for us. We don't give up. Those are on first important matters. You can't tamper with them. You can't tamper, Paul says in Galatians 1, chapter 8. If there's, if any angel, even an angel preaches another gospel than the one that I've given you, let him be anathema. It's, it's, it's an abomination. You can't tamper with justification by grace through faith. Do you see how strong the doctrine is that binds us? The person of Christ, John, 1 John 4, 2. There, there were some who were saying, oh, this Christ is not really the Son of God. This Christ is not really God Himself. He is a God. He is a created one. But He is not God. Again, this is of first importance as that Jesus, the Word, is made flesh and that God Himself came in the flesh. This is of first importance as it's summarized in the Nicene Creed. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made. The triune God then unites us in the gospel. God in the flesh. How could we possibly allow secondary things to divide us? Well, in 1924, there was a document that was signed by many, many ministerial members of the Presbyterian Church USA. It's called the Auburn Affirmation. And really what it was saying, that they, were, they cited five different um, truths from the Scripture, but they didn't paint them as truths, they painted them as theories. That you could believe these theories or not and still be a member in good standing of the Presbyterian, a minister in good standing in the Presbyterian Church USA. Uh, the... the um, the inerrancy of Scripture, uh, the virgin birth of Christ, the substitutionary atonement, the miracles. These are things that are not theories. These are things, instead, that we count on, that connect us in our faith.
Paul is saying here in this passage that there are some things that are worth dividing over and there are many others that are not. Thinking mostly along the lines of those things that we would huddle about and whisper about and separate uh, one, other, one from another, take offense too easily, give offense too easily. The glory of Christ, here it is, people, the glory of Christ is weighty enough to bind our families together, to bind our church together, and the church across this nation. We are to be a people seeking, uh, seek God's people seeking Christ. And his glory is our agenda. Well, thirdly and more briefly here, we thank God for our great Satan-crushing Savior. The encouragement that we get, the amazement we see in this passage is that uh, God will soon crush Satan under your feet, but see that it is God who does that crushing. Yes, it is under our feet, but God who does that crushing. We understand the mess that Satan stirred up in the Garden of Eden as he whispered, as he insinuated to our mother, God isn't all he claims to be. God will restrict your freedom God will keep you from doing the things that are really good and pleasurable for you. True freedom is found in running away from God, not following God. And is that message current today as well? But it points us, this passage in Genesis 3.15, that Christ will will, uh, bruise the head of the serpent. Christ will crush the head of the serpent even as the serpent bruises the heel of Christ. So Christ crushing the serpent's head at Calvary. He will grind his heel on the serpent's head. Yes, he felt the sting of the serpent's fangs. But as he tasted death, he tasted death for each of us as well and defeated it. You and I can't preserve the peace of the church, but God will, the Satan-crushing Savior. The God of peace, who brings the salvation of peace, will soon crush Satan's, uh, Satan under your feet. We love to sing uh, with the, uh, our, our dear brother Martin Luther, Lo, his doom is sure. The day is coming when Satan will be cast into the fire of hell and we long for that time. But I think it's telling that the very last verse of this text, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. You could almost add the word now as well as later. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you now. I love what John Stott says about this passage. He's saying, expect now. Uh, smaller, interim victories over Satan. Yes, his doom is sure, and his final final devastation is certain, but expect smaller, interim victories now. Expect, as you you deal with disunity in in your own family or or in the church with, with other people, expect the partial crushing of his head as we seek to win peace in our own relationships.
because we do so with an eye to Christ's complete victory. So here's a couple of things that we can expect and we can work for, we can strive for as the Church of Jesus Christ. How many people today go around burning bridges between themselves and other Christians? It's common. It's common. Expect to see relational bridges crossed, not burned. Expect to see relational bridges crossed, not burned. The God of peace is at work in you, in his people. Expect to see growth and maturity. And I say this in an age when differences are are divisive, not only in the world, which is a terrible thing, but also in the church. Expect to see growth and maturity. We're able to live peaceably with one another with differences and not separating because of them. Living peaceably with our differences and not separating because of them. How I long uh, for the return of our Savior who will bring peace, who will restore God's people across the world in glorious unity. One day, soon, Jesus will return to complete that battle. And our hearts cry out, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we, we grasp only lightly your glory. We grasp only lightly um, the beauty and the glory of Jesus. We so often avert our eyes from the beauty of Christ and become fascinated with other things. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would glorify, uh, not just glorify Christ, not just here in this church body, but across our land. May we as your people be beacons of, of light and beacons of hope. May we be those who, in the way we conduct ourselves in our families, the way we conduct ourselves in church, May we display the glorious beauty of Jesus so that others may see him and marvel. We pray these things in his name.